I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2018 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, a refreshing approach to building the ideal berm, is being brought to you by TopCon Agriculture. If this is your first time tuning in, you can subscribe to this series and get updates on future episodes currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you prefer another app for listening to podcasts, let us know, and we'll look to get it added. Thanks again to TopCon Agriculture for its support of this series. Agronomy matters, and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planning to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. Well, Low Point, Illinois farmer Todd Mooberry understands that every field is different and one size doesn't fit all with strip-till. He began strip-tilling corn in 2001 on his 1,800-acre operation, seeking ways to better adapt the practice to the variable soil types and slopes on his farm. Todd designed several products to improve strip-till efficiency, including a strip freshener attachment in 2011 to run through soybean stubble in spring as an alternative to no-till. After seeing interest in his creation from other strip-tillers who endured planting struggles due to damp springs, he improved the design, built and patented a new individual strip freshener row unit. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by TopCon Agriculture, Todd offers some tips and equipment strategies to help minimize erosion concerns on rolling ground, better time fertilizer application, and utilize cover crops in strip-till. A lot of you guys probably know more about strip-till than I do, but being in a business along with farming, we've learned or we've met a lot of people, and I've learned a lot from my customers and my neighbors and other strip-tillers. So I'll tell you a little bit about our operation. 2001, we started strip-tilling, and one of the reasons why I started was we had a couple people in the area doing it, and I really liked what I saw. I saw that you know they had good stands, were able to, to uh, cut down on some equipment, fuel savings, and of course the, uh, the conservation aspect of it. And so we started, we hired a local co-op to come in with a, basically an anhydrous bar. And we started out with uh, about 340 acres of first year corn. And we tried a little bit of corn on corn because I was wanting to move that direction. We'd been doing it with our tillage, our full Tilly's program, and the 340 acres of corn on beans was, was beautiful. It really worked great. It, we didn't have off here at the time, but we were able to stay on the strip, and we were very happy with that. The corn on corn was not so, not so good, but we, I saw enough out there that I knew that it could work if, if, the, if we had the right equipment. So the next year, I rented the, the applicator. I did it myself, and we stayed, tried to stay between the rows. It was much better, but there were still we were still missing something. So, the following year in 2002, we went ahead and we just committed. We went to strip till, 
sold the four-wheel drive tractor, sold the soil finisher, and we bought a good sprayer. I think that was probably one of the better moves that we made. And wanting to go to more corn on corn, I saw that we needed a, a different strip-till bar. So we started looking. We went to a lot of field days. Uh, we eventually ended up buying a Orphan One Tripper, which is, uh, I still think is a very good product. And we had plans of adding dry fertilizer. We just didn't do it right away. So for, for a couple of years, we used the Orthman alone with, with anhydrous. And then we ended up going with the Montag, and, and we put our dry on in the strip now. When we first started, after I started my business, I had the opportunity to work with Ortham Manufacturing as a, uh, as a rep. And what we heard from most growers was they wanted a nice black strip in the fall. And I thought that too. I thought that's what we really needed. But since, I've learned that maybe leaving a little bit of residue on a strip isn't a bad thing. We had a lot of erosion problems uh, a couple of years, and we ended up having to work some ground. So actually what we do now is it's a, it's a two-step program. We, I look at my strip till as primary tillage like you would with a chisel plow. And we designed a tool to run in the spring. It's called a strip freshener, and uh, it's Yetter Manufacturing sells it. But we, we actually built one and ran on our farm for, for four years. By leaving the strips a little bit rough and maybe a little bit with a little more residue on them, we, we've eliminated the erosion, and I actually think we're getting the, uh, a little more freezing and thawing, and, and the ground's probably a little more mellow. The strip freshener gives us a better seed bed, plus gives us the opportunity to put some fertilizer on in that strip. We've been using liquid, uh, just 32% on the, in the strip, and we probably put anywhere from 10 to 15 gallons on with it. And it's concentrated in that strip, so really if you're putting on 40 pounds of nitrogen in a 10-inch strip, it's about like broadcasting 120 pounds. So early in the season, we have plenty of nitrogen there to get that corn started, and then we side dress the rest of it. And I'd been wanting to try cover crops for, for years, and that's one of those things that's hard to get done because it's hard to find the time to do it, first of all. But we committed the first year, and I, I don't know if you heard Joel River talk, but we, we probably jumped in with, with both feet. We did a lot of acres that first year. We flew it all on. It was uh, annual ryegrass. Had a perfect year for growing annual ryegrass. This kind of goes back to uh, what I was talking about with with the erosion that we had in the strips. And that year, I believe that was uh, 2013 in the spring, we had to work 90% of our ground because we lost not only a lot of topsoil, but the fertilizer that we'd placed in the strips. So I don't like having that tool on our farm. Uh, we still have it, but it needs to go down the road. Some of the things that we did do our Orphan Bar, we still have the original one that we we bought new. Uh, you can see we're not running a row cleaner on it. We turned the wavy colders around so that we can get that trash to flow through there. And instead of a basket, we're running a burmer on the back. We're actually gathering some of the residue up in the dirt and throwing it back on the strip. And that gives us our nice tall strip. This is what our strips look like in the fall. And they overwinter pretty well. We still have a couple inches there of height in the spring. And this is the strip freshener that we run. You can put a row cleaner on the front. The front uh, plate is the same as a John Deere planter so that any row cleaner will go on there. It's got three shark tooth wheels that do the tillage. And then it's got a basket on the back that does the firming and the leveling and also 
acts as uh, the depth control. You can run dry or liquid fertilizer with it, but it, it's really warmed up the strip for us. It's dried it out a lot. We had a few wet springs there where we, you'd go out into the field and 90% and of the field was ready to go. But you had those wet spots that you knew if you're going to plant, if you plant through those, that slot's going to open back up and, and then you've got a mess. But what I noticed was when, you know, if, if we did plant in those conditions, we'd, we'd come back out a few days later in those, and it looked great because you ran a planter through it and it tilted up a little bit. So what we were trying to do is, is simulate what the planter basically was doing. And it's worked out really well. It has, we haven't had quite the wet springs that we had there for a couple of years, but still, it warms it up, it makes it smooth. We run a 2020 monitor for our planter, and we went from just planting into the, the fall strips, we were getting about a 93 to 95% ride, and now we're getting almost 100% ride most of the time following that, that strip freshener. And this particular one here is a large grower down in the southern part of the state in Illinois, they actually have two like that now. They're covering a lot of acres with them. And they're pulling a 60-foot tool with a 300-horse tractor. And they run two high-speed planters. And, and he was telling me, you know, if we were running field cultivators ahead of those planters, we'd have to have some huge horsepower on there. So they're saving fuel. They're able to use tractors that they use for other operations to pull this tool. And... Uh, They've, they've been a great customer. They've really been great to work with as far as helping us find, you know, decide what we needed to change on the product. One thing that we've done on that, every farm that we've, we've picked up or that we were operating before we went to strip till, we went in there with a no-till type uh, straight shank ripper, and we got rid of the compaction that we could. I, I, you can't always get rid of all of it, but... I think it's, it's best to try to do what you can before you start strip tilling. And then after that, the best thing to do is try not to co cause compaction. So we try to stay out of the fields when, we, when it's a little bit wet. We run floater tires on the combine and the grain cart. And we just recently went to track tractors. This year, I don't know that we have the compaction, but our soils, we, we lost all the oxygen in the soils. So I'm not sure what, what to do about it yet, but I, I think... What I'm thinking about doing on our farm is, is running an airway-type tool that will actually fracture the soil and, and loosen it up a little bit. Ho hopefully the freezing and thawing that will take care of some of the problems. Corn on corn, we were actually 100% corn for six years, and it, I still think the strip-till is, is the way to raise corn on corn. Unfortunately, we had a few bad years there where it didn't matter whether you were strip-tilling or doing conventional tillage. Corn on corn, we took a pretty good hit on yield. But what we found worked was that to run some type of a stalk stomper, the stalk devastators on the corn head, to knock those stalks down, get them broke up a little bit, and they'll start deteriorating. And we'd spray liquid AMS in the fall, and that seemed to help quite a bit. If you don't mix the residue in the strip, it helps quite a bit. So you, want, you definitely want row cleaners if you're going to do, do corn on corn. Don't short the nitrogen, especially the early nitrogen. I think you need to have plenty of it out there and have it banded in the strip. And then side dressing definitely seems to, to pay off in the corn on corn. Kind of going back to cover crops, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but we're still doing cover crops, but I had always been doing them, 
I'd been using annual ryegrass ahead of corn. Because I feel like bean stubble is probably where we need the, the protection for the soil more than anything. But I, I really wanted to do something ahead of beans too. So we went with cereal rye. This is a first year. We drilled it last fall. We got a pretty good stand. I am very, very happy with what the, the cereal rye has done for not only for loosening up the soil, but the weed control. It, it's amazing the difference between that and where we didn't use it. We have that particular farm, we've got about 500 acres on it. I only put the cereal rye on one field, and there's no weeds coming. The other two fields, I walked the other day, and we're starting to see water hemp come back and a little bit of, uh, of some other weeds, but mainly water hemp. So I don't think we're going to have to respray, but yet this field's going to be a lot cleaner. The other thing I noticed on a couple of my fields, I've got two on my Roundup bean fields. We've got two fields, same variety, planted at the same time. One had cereal rye and one didn't. And on the, on the one field, we pulled in, I started spraying, and we noticed enough volunteer corn, we threw something in to, uh, to kill that. But when I went to the next farm, there wasn't any. So the cereal rye helped, and I'm not sure what, what takes place out there, if it, if it shaded it out or what happened, but there was no volunteer corn in that field. So right there, it saved us six, seven bucks an acre, not having to throw the chemicals in for that. And I, I really like the way they look. They're, you know, people think we're crazy. I guess you go out there and plant into something that's this tall and green, but once it dies and falls down, it, it, it doesn't look too bad. They still think I'm crazy. We'll get back to Todd's discussion shortly, but I want to once again thank our sponsor, TopCon Agriculture, for making this podcast possible. Agronomy Matters and TopCon Agriculture application solutions make it work. From planting to precision machine control, NORAX boom height control, monitoring and mapping to data management, you have the total set of solutions to maximize your agronomic plan. Find out how to make the most of your 4R nutrient stewardship with precision technology that is unmatched in ease of use. Visit them at topconpositioning.com slash growing solutions. While gaining more control over planting dates is the primary advantage of running the strip freshener, Todd noted the strip freshener has additional benefits, including more accurate seed placement. He uses the Precision Planting 2020 monitor and went from a 92% ride to 100% ride using the tool. As Todd notes, he spent a lot of money on meters and fine-tuning them to work right, but if he doesn't get the planter unit riding well, he won't have the good spacing and get misplaced seed, both of which cost money. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Todd Mooberry on the other elements of his strip-till operation and tips for creating a comprehensive system. So our current program starts in the fall. We try to get the, re the residue spread as evenly as we can. It's hard to do when you get up over a 30-foot size head sometimes, but they do have the power cast spreaders on there, and I think that's, that's probably well worth the money. Again, we like to use something on the corn head to break those stalks up a little bit. And consider using ammonium sulfate on the corn on corn. Our fertilizer program for first-year corn, following beans, you can see we put, on a, we put on a little more phosphorus than we do potash. I've only got a, a single compartment uh, 
bin on, the, on a Montag. So we blend it. We still do some variable rate, but we're variable rating the whole, the whole blend. So we're a little heavy on the, on the map than we are potash. We put a little bit of ammonium sulfate in there for or AMS for, for the sulfur. And that's basically what we're getting with the rate that we're spreading. On beans following corn, we go between the row and we kind of flip-flop a little bit. We put less map and more potash on. Still put a little AMS, but we're putting some pellime in the strip too. And my thoughts there are we try to keep our pH up, but in a normal program where you put your lime on every five years or so, you, you have those ups and downs. And what I'm trying to do with this is keep that more level. by keep, Hopefully keep the, the pH steady in, that, in the root zone there. But when we follow corn, or we put corn following beans, I like to plant in the same row. Soybeans got that tap root. It's, it, you know, we might as well t- use that to our advantage. That's going to loosen up the soil a little bit. Plus, we, we're, still, we're planting in that, that fertilizer zone, so if there is some left over, we can take advantage of that. So planting our corn in the old soybean row, and then the next year we'll move over 15 inches. So you're not planting in a wheel track then with corn. Like I say, the tap root and the beans help, helps loosen that up quite a bit. But, and then that's what we're getting for an analysis on our, uh, on our beans. This is our first year, actually, for strip-tilling beans. I'm really happy with what I see so far. We, we have to stick with 30-inch beans. Uh, some of our, our farms, they're lighter, and, and we do better with a narrow row bean. So we, we may still drill those, but for the most part, we are going to keep strip-tilling the beans. And there's our spring program. We run the strip freshener with 15 to 20 gallons at 32%. We side dress the balance. We usually spray a fungicide if needed. Beans plant into the strips and then kill the cereal rye. And then same thing, if we need fungicide and insecticide, which this year on the corn, we sprayed most of the acres. And on the beans, we're going to spray all of our non-GMO beans. I know a lot of you guys are probably already strip tilling. Uh, if you're looking to get started, the best thing to do is try to, try to get rid of the compaction you have. Next thing is try to avoid it. It's hard sometimes when the neighbors are running to leave that combine sit for a day or two, but I think it really helps. And probably the biggest thing since I've started strip tilling that pays back the quickest is, the, is putting the dry fertilizer on with the strip till bar. You, you saw a picture over there probably of the spinner spreader going through the field. And, and we have all this technology that's available to us, but yet... We don't necessarily have the means of, of applying the fertilizer as precise as we should. And that's kind of what we focus on with our business is precision placement of the nutrients. Put them where you need them. And not to dock spinner spreaders because they, I mean, they get the job done. But I, first of all, I want to have control over when my fertilizer is put on and where it's placed. And I've seen spinner trucks where the, sometimes the spinners weren't spreading and they were windrowing it. All, thing, all kinds of things can happen. But when you're doing it yourself, not saying you don't screw up, but you have more control over it. And we're putting it where the plant needs it. And you talk to some people and they say there's no advantage to, to deep banding fertilizer. Well, we've done research plots on our farm for several years with, for a seed company and uh, 
with one of the machinery manufacturers. And every year we saw an advantage to the deep band and dry. And I've had customers do side-by-sides, and there's always an advantage. So if, I'm gonna, if I was going to spend money on anything, and it's not cheap to get set up, but it's well worth it. And like I said, you have control over when it's done and where it's placed. There's several diff- different types of box, dry boxes out there. Uh, we happen to use the Montag. We've never had any trouble with it. I really like the way it works. And the same thing with your strip-till bar. There's so many different kinds out there now. And I'm not going to stand up here and say one's better than the other because they all work fine. And everybody has a different opinion on what they want. The main thing is to build that strip, place your fertilizer where you need it. And it, we've come a long ways in strip-till. I know it's still fairly young, and there's still a lot, lot of room for improvement. But we do have a lot more tools available for us now than we did a dozen years ago when we started. I think people are, there, there's just so many more people wanting to strip till that the, these, the companies are finally saying, you know, yeah, we'll, we will build what you want. Before, it was, here's what's available, you take it or leave it. Like I say, precision placements and nutrients, I think, is, is very, very important. You want to give, you want to place the, the nutrients where the roots can get to it. And Mike, you guys have, heard Mike Peterson speak. Mike is a very good friend of mine, and he's very knowledgeable. And uh, he's really the one that got me started placing the fertilizer in the strip. And consider a two-trip program. I know that it's, it's an extra trip. It, and a lot, of, a lot of us started strip tilling so we could eliminate trips, but that second trip has made us a lot more money than just trying to do it in one trip with the planter. Takes another tractor, takes another auto steer system, and it takes another driver, but it's still well worth it. And then the patience is the one thing that it, it takes. You know, when you're start first starting to strip till, the first few years was tough. It really was, especially when you've got. You know, we were one of the first in our area to start strip tilling. I think there's three of us in the area, and a lot of people want you to fail, and you have to have a positive attitude. You got to keep going. And, yeah, you're going to have a tough year or two, but don't give up and learn from your mistakes and other people's mistakes. And, and that's why I'm here and that's why I started our business because we did make a lot of mistakes. And I, I wanted to help people that were, were trying it and help them avoid making those same costly mistakes. And it has paid off. And we've seen over the years the soil structure has improved so much. We've got some soils, because we farm, we've got some very good black ground. We've got some ground that we never have to worry about the neighbors trying to take from us because they don't want it. It's got gravel in it. It's got hills. It's, it's timber clay. But those are the farms that are actually responding better to the strip till. And we found out that we can grow some pretty good crops on, on those type of farms, especially in the dry years. So patience, I think, is, is very important. And then never stop trying to learn from other growers. I, I learn something every time I talk to one of our customers. I deal with some very, very good farmers, that are probably a lot better than I am. But the one thing that uh, probably the biggest positive of doing what we do with our business is we have met so, so many nice people, and we stay in contact with everybody. And we sell, we sell machinery in several states. I've learned a lot from every one of them. 
So if you can communicate with other people, and if you've got some neighbors, you know, some, some communities, the, the people don't get along that well and they're, they're competitive, but we're fortunate that we're in an area where people do share ideas and can't be afraid to ask somebody what they're doing. We went up in the air the other day and the pilot, he's a young pilot from Delaware, and he, he comes to our area every year to, to crop dust. And he rented a plane, he took us up, and he said, one thing that you guys need to do is if we see some fields up here that look good, is go talk to those guys. Don't be afraid to ask them what they're doing. And that's the same thing with strip till. If you see somebody that's doing and it's working good, go visit with them. Share ideas, because that's how you learn. It's, it's a lot easier than making the mistakes yourself. Well, thank you, Todd, for sharing your innovative approach to improving your strip-till system. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Topcon Agriculture, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip-Till Strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmer, F-A-R-M-R, and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on February 2nd for the next episode in our 2018 podcast series and a reminder that you can still register to receive our brand new Strip-Till Farmer print edition at striptillfarmer.com. For Todd Mooberry, Topcon Agriculture, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zemlicka. Thanks for listening.